by the move. Fire Brigade! Welcome to the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Meet him, greet him, treat him, and street him. Today's date is October 21st, 2020, and I am your skeptical host, Ken Milne. The title of today's podcast is Fire Brigade and the Staying Alive app for out-of-hospital cardiac arrests in Paris. And our guest skeptic is Dr. Justin Morgenstern. He is an emergency physician, creator of the excellent FOMED project called First 10 EM, and a member of the SGEM Hot Off the Press team. Welcome back to the SGEM, Justin. You know, this is always one of my favorite places to begin. Love talking nerdy with you. I love talking nerdy too. But you have some big COVID-19 announcement. Well, yeah, I mean, big for me at least. I was asked to join the COVID-19 science table in Ontario, so I'm going to get to play a, a small part in trying to ensure that evidence guides our response to COVID and that hopefully that we communicate science clearly so that everybody can understand it. So far, you know, it's, it's been a ton of work, but there is an incredible team of people doing this work, and I know that you agree. It is incredibly important that we have science guiding our COVID response. <laughs> And science communication is another aspect to doing science, and it's a certain skill set, and it needs to be done well. And I have given a couple of presentations recently saying the science communication has been a bit of a dumpster fire when it comes to COVID-19. Many of you may be wondering, though, why did not pick this song? That is because we use the Bee Gees Staying Alive for SGM number 162, and I don't like to repeat. So, we're using Fire Brigade. Do you have a case for us? Yeah. So, you're waiting in line for coffee, discussing the latest SGM hot off the press episode on Twitter, when an alert pops up on your phone. It says that somebody in the grocery store next door has suffered a cardiac arrest and they need your help. You remember installing this app at a conference last year, but this is the first time you've ever seen an alert. You abandon your coffee order and quickly head next door where you're able to start CPR and direct a bystander to find the store's AED, all while waiting for EMS to arrive. After the paramedics take over, you wonder about the evidence for this seemingly miraculous intervention. Out-of-hospital cardiac arrests, or OCAs, is something that we have covered many times in the SGEM, and I'll list those in the show notes. The American Heart Association promotes the chain of survival, and there are five steps to the chain of survival for out-of-hospital cardiac arrests. The first step, step one, is recognition and the activation of the emergency response system. The second step is immediate high-quality cardiopulmonary resuscitation, or CPR. Step three, rapid defibrillation. Step four, basic and advanced emergency medical services. And the fifth and final step, advanced life support and post-arrest care. And just listening to those steps, it's very clear that bystander CPR and early defibrillation are key components of the out-of-hospital cardiac arrest chain of survival. But unfortunately, most patients still don't get these crucial interventions. Many people are trained in CPR, but never use their skills because it's unlikely that they will happen to be in the exact right place at the right time. They may be willing and able to help, but if the patient in need is one block over, they may never know about it. 
Yeah, you know, Ken, I think I first trained in CPR when I was about 10 years old, and I still have never used it in public. However, with the advent of smartphones and GPS uh, capability, that means we should be able to better direct individuals trained in BLS to those in need around them. We should be able to use smartphones to more easily identify the closest AEDs. Over the last decade, numerous apps have been developed to do exactly that, but the impact of those apps on clinical outcomes is still unclear. So Justin, give us a clinical question that we're going to address today. So our question is, is the use of a smartphone app that can match trained responders to cardiac arrest victims and indicate the closest available AEDs associated with better clinical outcomes? And the reference. This is Durkin et al. Mobile smartphone technology is associated with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest survival improvement. The first year Greater Paris Fire Brigade experience, and of course, hot off the press, AEM November 2020. All right, let's run through that PICO. What was the population? They looked at cardiac arrests from a single emergency medical service agency in Paris, France, uh, that were called in through the central dispatch center and occurred while the chief dispatcher was available to participate, and they occurred in a public area, and occurred where there was not obvious environmental danger. And the intervention. So alerts were sent through the app uh, to volunteers trained in basic life support, or BLS, uh, who were within 500 meters of the reported cardiac arrest. So the intervention group was a group of patients in whom somebody responded to the alert and provided BLS treatment. And what did they compare it to? So the control group was patients in whom either no volunteer was available within 500 meters at the time of the arrest, or in whom no volunteer responded to the alert, or in whom the volunteer actually responded, but they did not perform BLS. What are their outcomes? So their main outcomes were return of spontaneous circulation on hospital admission and survival upon hospital discharge. So this is an SGEM hot off the press episode, which means usually we have the lead author on the show. Dr. Clement Derken is an emergency physician in the emergency medical department, Paris Fire Brigade, Clamart, France. Now we reached out to him and he didn't feel comfortable doing a podcast in English, which is completely understandable. I would not feel comfortable doing something this nerdy in French or any other language besides English. So we completely understand, but we hope that Dr. Darkin or one of his team members will be able to answer some of our nerdy questions using Google Translate and post them on the blog. So I'm going to read the author's conclusions. Quote, we report that the mobile smartphone technology was associated with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest survival through accelerated emission of efficient cardiopulmonary resuscitation by first responders in a large urban area. End of quote. All right, let's go through a quality checklist for the observational studies. The first question is, did the study address a clearly focused question? Yes. Did the authors use an appropriate method to answer their question? We'll give it an unsure. Observational data will be limited in identifying associations rather than demonstrating causation. Was the cohort recruited in an acceptable way? Again, unsure. We'll discuss it in the nerdy section, but selection bias could be an issue, and I'm not sure the selected a control group really tells us a lot about the utility of the app. Was the exposure accurately measured to minimize bias? Yes. 
Was the outcome accurately measured to minimize bias? I'm going to have to give this one both yes and unsure. So the ROSC numbers were prospectively collected. Uh, mortality was retrospectively identified using a database. And some databases are better than others. I mean, but overall, mortality should be pretty accurate. And then the on-scene actions were only identified through a telephone interview, so recall bias could be an issue. Have the authors identified all important confounding factors? Unsure. Was the follow-up of subjects complete enough? I think so. How precise were the results? We'll give it a moderate. Do you believe the results? I'm going to give this one a probably. Can the results be applied to the local population? I'll give it another unsure. And did the results of this study fit with other available evidence? Unsure. So we know of at least one other paper that has looked at this covered on the SGEM number 143. And that study did show an increase in bystander CPR using a smartphone app, but there were no differences in ROSC or 30-day survival. All right, let's run through the key results. They recorded just over 4,100 out-of-hospital cardiac arrests back in 2018. The mean age was in the mid-50s, about three-quarters were male, and 91% were medical or cardiac arrests. And most arrests took place outside the home. The Staying Alive app was activated 366 times, or a total of just under 10% of the total arrests. So of those 366, there were 46 patients in the intervention group. 24 of them received CPR only, 18 received the AED only, and 4 received both interventions. Then there were 320 in the control group, 97 cases where no volunteer responded to the notification on their app, and then 226 who responded to the notification but either couldn't find the patient or didn't start BLS. So what was the key result then? So getting treatment as a result of the Staying Alive app was associated with more ROSC and more survival to hospital discharge. Yeah, and so their ROSC was 48% in the Staying Alive group and 23% in the control group. And then survival to hospital discharge was 35% in the Staying Alive group and 16% in the controls. And that gave an adjusted odds ratio of 5.9. And we'll put all the nerdy statistics in the show notes. But let's get on to talking nerdy. And we have 10 nerdy questions that we hope that the authors will be able to translate and then provide us with some feedback on the blog. I'm going to start off with a, a simple one, and that is external validity. They did this in Paris, which is a large urban center. And so we have to wonder, what would the external validity be to smaller community hospitals or smaller rural communities in general? So question number two is about the control group. So in the conclusion for this paper, the authors say that smartphone technology is associated with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest survival. However, they didn't compare a group of patients who got smartphone technology to another group of patients who didn't have the smartphone technology available. What they actually compared is a group of patients who got treatment, CPR or AEDs, to a group of patients who didn't get treatment even though the app was activated. So I think this data only shows us that there's an association between CPR and AED use and survival, but I think we already knew that. In order to see an association with the app, 
we'd need to have a control group who didn't have the app available. And I'm thinking maybe a different city who's not using an app like this, or maybe just a different time period, like historical controls in a before and after study. But as it stands, I'm not sure this control group tells us anything about the app itself, but I'd love to hear the author's perspective on this and this aspect of their trial design. The third nerdy point was about excluded patients. More than 90% of the out-of-hospital cardiac arrest patients were not included in this study. There were many differences between those included and those not included. It would also be interesting to know what outcomes were for that group and compare them to the intervention and the control groups. Number four seems to come up a lot when we review papers together. Primary outcome. When critically appraising studies, it's really important to have a primary outcome in order to interpret the reported statistics. The authors looked at a number of very important outcomes, but we don't see a primary outcome explicitly stated in this manuscript. And to follow up on outcomes, the fifth nerdy point is about all patient-oriented outcomes. We have seen this in many studies that have a primary outcome of ROSC, admission to hospital, or survival to hospital discharge. But a better patient-oriented outcome, a POO, is survival to hospital discharge with good neurologic function. Question number six is about generalizability and cost effectiveness. So out of 4,107 arrests, only 46 patients received treatment through this app. That's a pretty small number, and it could result in selection bias that would affect the generalizability of these results. Furthermore, the fact that the app only results in treatment for a small number of cases could indicate the cost of the app and the training might overshadow its benefits. All right, let's talk about confounders. This was an observational data set, and so we are limited to concluding associations. There are many differences between patients with the out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, and the app was activated, and the patients with the out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, and the app was not activated. There was another dichotomy between when a volunteer responded and when they did not respond. We wonder what various factors may have influenced whether a patient ended up in the control or intervention group. For example, people might be less likely to respond to an arrest in a poorer area of a town, but patients in poorer areas of town may have worse outcomes confounding these results. For question number eight, I wonder about harms or maybe unintended consequences. Listen, I love these apps. I already have two of them on my phone. They make a lot of intrinsic sense, but nothing in life is free. If this app is going to be used at scale, there's going to be cost in the development of an app, maybe advertising it, maybe training dispatchers. Also, the use of an app could take attention away from other really important interventions, such as, say, that dispatcher talking the person on scene through high-quality CPR. So while there's potential benefits from these apps, we have to also remember that there could be potential harms. And the ninth one, the final one that I was going to bring up, was difference in care. Of the 44 volunteer responders who provided CPR, 41 took over CPR from a bystander who was already providing CPR. In other words, the vast majority of patients were already receiving CPR when the staying alive responder arrived. However, a large difference in survival is reported. This huge change in survival seems too good to be true, considering what seems like a relatively small change in care if the patients were already getting bystander CPR. 
Yeah, Ken, I think that's really worth emphasizing. They're reporting a 20% absolute increase in survival here. We just don't have anything in all of cardiac arrest that increases survival that much. Do we really think that an app that only made minimal changes in care could possibly make that big of a difference? I'm not sure. And then question number 10 gets really nerdy, and I wish we had the author. It's all about machine learning and propensity matching. You know, I don't think I've ever seen a study before that used machine learning as part of their propensity matching uh, process. It would have been really good, as I say, to have the author available to run us through the nerdy reasons why you would do such an, an analysis. I will raise one concern that always tends to come up with AI, though, is that these systems are often sort of black boxes. We can't really tell the choices they make. And black boxes are a little bit concerning to me from a science standpoint, as they aren't always easily replicated or analyzed. Well, let's end on that nerdy point and comment on the author's conclusions and compare them to the SGEM's conclusions. So we agreed that there was an association between patients receiving BLS care through the Staying Alive app and ROSC and survival to hospital discharge, but cautioned that the results may be because of unseen confounders. More importantly, these results really don't tell us if the app helped. They just reinforce that bystander CPR and access to AEDs is essential for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest survival. All right, time to give the bottom line then. So smartphone apps that match trained responders to nearby cardiac arrest victims are an intuitive and creative intervention. However, their impact on clinical outcomes and overall cost effectiveness remains unproven. And can you resolve that case you presented? So of course, you go back, get your coffee, and return to Twitter to discuss your experience with this app. You are excited about its potential and post a number of optimistic tweets, but your inner skeptic is very glad that see that there's an ongoing RCT and you decide to withhold your final judgment until you see stronger data. So how are you going to apply this? So I think that smartphone apps may be a valuable way to improve response times in out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, but their exact role remains unclear. And what are you going to tell the patient? Well, thankfully, this patient had ROSC as care was being handed over to EMS, so you don't ever see the patient again for discussion. Although you remain skeptical, you decide to tell some friends about your experience with the app and encourage them to try it out for themselves. It's time to announce the Keener Contest winner, and it was longtime supporter of the SGEM, Dr. Stephen Steltz from New Zealand. He knew the use of wearing a bicycle helmet reduces your odds of head injury by 50%, according to the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. What's the question this week? So our question is, what year was the first smartphone introduced and what was its name? Oh, good question. If you know the name of the first smartphone and the year it was introduced, then send an email to the SGEM at gmail.com. The first correct answer will receive a cool skeptical prize. And of course, this is an SGEM hot off the press, so you know what that means, SGEMers. It's your turn to get involved. What did you think about this episode on smartphone apps for out-of-hospital cardiac arrest? Please tweet your comments and questions using that hashtag SGEMHOP. If you have questions for the team, head on over to the SGEM blog and leave them there. As you know, the best social media feedback will be published in AEM. Yeah, I think it would be really interesting to see what the SGM audience says if they are using an app, if they've ever used an app, if they've used the app, have they actually done CPR? You made a comment earlier 
that said, you've taken CPR since the age of 10 and never used it in a public situation. I too have known CPR for decades, and I've also never used it in a public situation. So it'll be really interesting to uh, pull the audience, check the wisdom, go to the cloud, crowdsource it, and find out who's using these apps, if they are using it, and have they actually done CPR. You can also get CME credits for this episode through the AEM homepage, and I'll put the process in the show notes. Thanks again, Justin. Good luck with your new COVID-19 job. Hopefully you're out of a job soon. Yeah, that would be absolutely wonderful. But in the meantime, I'm looking forward to spreading that SJAMS brand of nerdiness to all decisions we're making about COVID. Well, they're lucky to have someone like you on the committee. Can you read the SJAM tagline? Oh, absolutely. Remember to be skeptical of anything you learn, even if you heard it on the Skeptic's Guide to Emergency Medicine. Talk to everyone next time.